Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mel Herbert here. It's uh, Elon Dale. It's Thursday. It's November 12th. And uh, just as an aside, we're going to do a big show, a large show, a grand show on Sunday with the boys show. And I don't remember if it's a patron show or if it's a show for the world show, but we're going to do a big show on Sunday. And I think we're going to start to change things up. We've just been having a bit of a discussion back and forth on the old Voxer on uh, talking about the fact that on the daily show we can do, you know, what's new, what's interesting, what's coming here. But on the big show, the grand show, the large show, we might do less stories and go a bit more in depth. Less stories, a bit more in depth, do a bit more philosophy. So we'll talk more about it. Yeah, we'll have a discussion. Yeah, we'll involve you. It'll be great. Now, I want to do a couple of letters today, but before we do, I want to do something um, that I'm really fascinated by, and that's talk about how many solar panels it would require to run the entire United States. Now, this is something that Elon talks about relatively frequently, saying that you only need 100 miles by 100 miles of solar panels, and that would be easy to do somewhere out in you know the desert of California, Nevada, or Texas, and you could do all of the electrical needs for the United States in such a small, relatively small area. Well, it turns out, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that in popular mechanics, they pick this up and there's a bit of back and forth between Elon Musk and Bill Gates. But in this thing called, what's it called? The UCL Energy Institute blog, they actually go through the numbers and say, is that true? And they come up with an answer that's quite surprising. You ready? Here's how they do it. They say, look, the United States uses about 425 gigawatts of electricity, just electricity. We're not talking about, you know, gas and every, if every car was electric and that kind of stuff would be much more. But about 425 gigawatts of electricity currently. And then they say, OK, let's go to northwest Texas. Let's do uh, 10,000 kilometers square of electric generation through PV panels. So that's 100 kilometers by 100 kilometers square which is only about 60 miles. So you're driving for about, you know, an hour and then you turn and you go drive for about an hour and then you turn and you go for an hour and then you drive for about an hour. And all of that area in the middle, that would be solar panels. And they say if you use efficient panels like 21%, then you're going to get 500 gigawatts out of that 100 kilometer by 100 kilometer by 100 kilometer by 100 kilometer square, as it were. So it turns out that what Elon has been saying the whole time is true. Now, you wouldn't actually do that because that wouldn't make much sense, right? If you have a dust storm or if you have a big rainy day, then there goes all the electricity for the United States. The important thing is that this is about the concept of how much real area you would need to basically generate from solar power the equivalent of the entire amount of electrical energy required for the US. And I did a bit of back of the uh, napkin calculation. The United States has about one, no, 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 sorry, 10 million square kilometers. 10 million square kilometers. So we're talking about 0.1% of the surface area of the US to uh, basically run the US's electric uh, needs. That's not much. So all this to say is that obviously you need to be part of a mix of generation things, but you don't need that much area to do all of the solar requirements for the United States. So uh, we need to have uh, these things everywhere. We need them all over the place. And you need probably much more than that if you're going to drive electric cars. And there are certain regions where you can't generate the same amount. But the concept is it's not this overwhelming amount of space. Now, let's talk about cash. Want to take a stab at it? Want to take a stab at how much that would cost to just buy sort of standard off the rack uh, 21% solar panels? Do, do, do. The answer is $5 trillion. 
which is obviously a lot of trillions, but it's not a ridiculous amount of trillions. We just had a tax cut here that resulted in about a $1.5 trillion tax reduction for uh, mostly people that were in the highest economic uh, ladders and for corporations. So that was a tax cut of $1.5 trillion. So if you're really thinking big, over time, you don't have to build it all tomorrow, but it's not an outrageous sum. Again, you're not going to put it all in one place, and it's much more complicated than that, but it just sort of gives you an idea that this is a doable thing. The biggest thing, of course, is storage. How do you do storage? No, need a lot of pumped hydro. You're going to have to do a lot of other things, but this is a big deal, but it's uh, a doable. These numbers are huge, but these numbers are within the realms of we could do that if we really, really wanted to, like if it was like Second World War, we could do that. And of course, the naysayers say, well, it's too much, too much, it's going to be more taxes, it's too much money. And yet, on the other hand, they don't factor in the fact that the estimates for how much money is going to be spent in the next, you know, five decades, say, on the migration of people, on the destruction from ever-increasing storms and from fires and from all the crap that comes downstream from a rapidly warming planet... You know, 5, 10, 15, 20 trillion? That's uh, not much. Now, let's do some letters, shall we? And I've got a fascinating letter, but because I am the webmaster, I haven't got it set up properly so that people can't put their name in unless uh, they put it in the body of the text. But this person, whoever you are, you know who you are, sent me a note, and I was talking about how fast Teslas can charge, and, you know, now it's only 48 amps at 240 volts. So in the past, it was up to 72, and some people were saying it was 80. Well, this person says, look, back in the day, Teslas actually had an AC charging supply that could handle up to 280 volts. And you could get that from a, what does it say here? An industrial 480 volt phase three system. And I don't know where you get these, but apparently you could also get this at a lot of people's houses. Now, they've taken all this away. But he says, if you look on PlugShare, you'll still find a small handful of Tesla destination chargers, which have a 277-volt supply. At one of those, my 2013 Model S with dual chargers could actually pull 22 kilowatts, which is almost like at-home supercharging. That is super fast. Okay, it's not supercharger fast. When you're cranking on a supercharger, you're getting 150 or 250, but it's still, I'm saying it's fast. My understanding, and there's a lot of other stuff that's written in here that I don't understand because I'm not an electrical engineer, so you might be a bit disappointed and say, well, why can't I charge slower now than I could back in the day with said older car and dual chargers? My understanding was that they removed the dual chargers because there was a lot of failures with them, that the single chargers uh, work, you know, much better, much less failure rate. And for the vast majority of people, being able to charge at about like 48 miles per hour of charging on a Model 3 and about in the low 30s for the S and the X was uh, sufficient. But again, I've suggested there are times, there are times when you might want to be able to charge significantly faster at home. The use case that came up for me once was, you know, drove up to Santa Barbara and going up doing some stuff, send some friends to come back, and then we've got a thing on the other side of town and uh, there's not that much charge left in the car. And I'm like, oh, it'd be nice if I could charge this thing at 60 or 100 miles per hour of charge. But the fact is that that happens once every three or four years. Uh, so it's not that big a deal for me. There might be some people that do wish that they could charge faster. Unfortunately, for now, you got to go find yourself a direct charge, DC charger, a supercharger, and do it there. 
Now, this same person, we'll call them charger person, said the reason now that you have max of 48 is because it's pretty ubiquitous to get 60 amp breakers. And if you're going to run a 60 amp breaker continuously, then you should only run it at 80% of that 60 amps. So that's 48 amps. And that's why you have so much 48 amp charging. It is also true that overnight, 48 amps is about what you need to fill a 100 kilowatt hour battery. If you have a 200 kilowatt hour battery, which could be coming, it's going to take almost 18 hours to fully charge from zero to full on a 48 amp charger. So this person, again, we'll call them charger person, says hopefully the Cybertruck, which is going to have a gigantic battery, will be able to do something faster than 48 amps. And it's interesting they bring this up because I was thinking the same thing. With these gigantic batteries, whether it's the Cybertruck or whether it's the Roadster 2, if you're empty, it's going to take a long time on a standard charger to charge these puppies up a long time. And this is also a reminder that like your house might use a lot of energy, but if you drive a lot, your car uses a lot more. And this is why Elon has said the US is probably going to need two, three times the amount of electricity generation in the years ahead when we all move to electrification of everything than we do now. So that 100 kilometer square is going to have to be 300 kilometers square. Now, that would be 10 times bigger. It's going to have to be bigger, right? I don't know the math. To make three times as much generation, you're going to need a lot more energy. And that's why it has to be renewable. And now we have a voice memo from a listener. These are my favorite. These are my favorite. Love to hear the voices of the people who are listening to the show. And this comes from Tom Heist. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for what you do to promote Tesla and green energy and uh, changing the world. And uh, I do appreciate your perspective on the environment, at, but I'm wondering why you never talk about the impact of cows on greenhouse gases and global warming. Agriculture has an enormous impact, especially dairy, cows, and eating meat. So just wondering, why ignore this important uh, solution to global warming? Love to hear from you. Well, Tom, actually, we have, we have and we do, actually, I think relatively frequently we talk about this fact, and it's a really important point, so we're going to use this as an excuse to talk about it again. Yeah, the growing of cattle, the grazing of the land, the cutting down of forests to uh, have those cattle graze, the uh, methane that's produced by those cattle is all an environmental disaster. And so we talk a lot about the fact that one of the biggest things that you can do personally is to reduce the amount of red meat from cows and dairy that you consume as much as you can. Tom has been a weekday vegetarian for a long time. I'm sort of uh, getting into the same kind of scenario using a lot of plant-based substitutes because I still like the taste of me because I'm a farm boy, grew up with that. And I'm hoping that there's no analysis uh, in the months and years ahead that says these uh, plant-based hamburgers use just as much freaking carbon dioxide and badness as beef. Oh, please don't let that be true. But even if you can just drop, and I just read this recently, the equivalent of one hamburger a week less, that will have a tremendous impact on uh, global warming. Now, of course, there is downstream effects and there are farmers and stuff that are going to have to change and you know get into soy farming or something else. But it's also, again, as I said, it's not just the methane from the cows and the amount of water and stuff that you have to do to get this meat to you. But it is the fact that so much of the forests throughout the world, throughout the entire world, have been destroyed because it's a good crop having beef cattle out there and dairy cattle. So, you know, people burn down parts of the Amazon and they graze on it. So it's a disaster. And really the only way they, we're going to fix that is if at the consumer level we say, well, I'm just not going to eat that much red meat. I don't think you have to become a vegetarian. 
I think you can become like Tom, a weekday vegetarian, or just significantly reduce the amount of meat that you're consuming. So thanks to Tom. Thanks to all the listeners. Big show, large show, grand show coming up this weekend. We've got another show tomorrow, and I'll be uh, talking to you about more, you know, Tesla uh, environmental stuff. It's all good. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you've sent me a letter and I didn't talk about it, it's either because it sucked, <laughs> I'm joking, or because of my incredible management system that I don't have. I may have just gotten lost down in my email threads. I have approximately 8,000 unread emails. Yeah, I'm a bit behind. So send it again if you think you've got a really good uh, thing that we should discuss. Uh, my name's Mel Hobbit. Uh, can we go through the spiel? Look, give us a rating and review on iTunes and make sure it's good. And, uh, you know, become a patron because that would really help us out. And, uh, you know, talk to you tomorrow. Hurry it out.